0: The Nature of Evil, Part 2 Continued from the Fall 2022 issue of The Watchman by John Wicky. Look at Matthew chapter 5. If you do not believe in the law, you miss the lessons it teaches. And remember, according to scripture, the lessons taught by the law convert your soul. In fact, Jesus said in John chapter 5 that anyone who doesn't believe Moses cannot actually believe in Christ. In verse 46, Jesus said, For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? Proverbs 28 verse 9 says, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. The modern church has turned its ear away from the law. They don't believe it, and because of this they have lost their connection with God. They have separated themselves from Jesus. Consider this from Matthew 5.21. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Rekha, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. This is a passage that many modern Christians actually use to push the idea that the law has been changed, that the law God gave to Moses, the law they do not understand and do not like, is over, and it's been replaced by something greater, something higher. This was verse 22. Back up a moment to verse 17, where Jesus said, "...think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets." I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, Till heaven and earth pass, One jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, Till all be fulfilled. Here, Jesus defended the law. He didn't attack the law, But he defended the law of Moses, As if he were saying, Don't think I'm here to get rid of the law. Not one bit of the law is going away till the end of time. To put this in context, Jesus defended the law. He didn't attack it. And this defense continues in verse 19. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. The context of this passage, we have to remember, was Jesus defending the law, not attacking it, What was Jesus attacking? In verse 20, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. This immediately precedes the verse in question. Ye have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But I say unto you. So, to what did Jesus refer here? Who said of old time? What was Jesus attacking? He said that your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. God wasn't talking about the righteousness of the law, but about the righteousness of the Pharisees. Jesus actually was contrasting the righteousness of the Pharisees with the righteousness of the law. A lot of people think of the Pharisees as law keepers. Modern Christians see the scribes and Pharisees as a proxy for the law. And the Pharisees did pride themselves on keeping the law, but the fact is, they didn't actually keep the law. That is the major contention between Jesus and the Pharisees. When you see Jesus interact with the Pharisees, you usually read about Jesus calling them hypocrites. Jesus called them hypocrites because they claimed to follow the law when in fact, they transgressed it. In Matthew 15 verse 1, the Pharisees come to Jesus, accusing him of having transgressed the law, and they said, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. Jesus answered them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? Jesus said that the Pharisees transgressed the law. For all of their claims to righteousness, the Pharisees did not actually keep the law. Further, they failed to keep the law for the same reason modern Christians do. The Pharisees didn't understand the law. They missed the spirit behind the law. They missed the lesson the law was teaching. Now, let me get to what I wanted to show you back in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Remember, Jesus said, Your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Ye have heard it was said of them of old time. This was what the Pharisees said. This referred to the righteousness of the Pharisees. This was what Jesus said we have to be more righteous than. Then Jesus contrasted the Pharisees' righteousness with true righteousness. Verse 22 refers to true righteousness. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment and whosoever shall say to his brother raka shall be in danger of the counsel but whosoever shall say thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire do you realize that verse 22 refers to mosaic law let me read to you a passage from the law in deuteronomy 19 verse 16 through 18 Thou shalt not go up and down as a tailbearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's the law of God. That's Mosaic law. Most modern Christians do not realize loving your neighbor was first voiced in the law. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, he's quoting Mosaic law. Back to verse 22. Jesus said, if someone is angry with his brother... Now, if someone is angry with his brother, has he violated God's law? Yes, he has. The law says, don't hate your brother. The law says, love your neighbor. If you're angry with your brother... You have already violated God's law, and you're already in danger of the judgment. If you call your brother Rekha, which is to call him worthless or empty, if you go around saying he's a fool, you've already violated God's law. That is tail-bearing. This is bearing a grudge. You do not have to go all the way to killing to violate the law. Just hating your brother is already a violation of the law. Look at verse 27 of Matthew 5. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, That whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. What is lust? The Apostle Paul said, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. From Romans seven seven. The biblical definition of lusting is coveting. When a man lusts after a woman, he is coveting. What is coveting but a violation of Mosaic law? The tenth commandment reads, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. A man doesn't have to commit adultery to violate God's law. If a man simply covets his neighbor's wife, he's already violated God's law. What Jesus was pointing out in Matthew 5 is this. The Pharisees were failing in their quest for righteousness. They failed to understand the purpose of the law. They failed to see the spirit of the law, and they were sinning because of it. The Pharisees knew killing was wrong, but they failed to see that hating your brother in the first place was fundamentally the same thing. They understood adultery was wrong, but they failed to see that lust and coveting fundamentally are the same thing. Matthew 5 is not an attack on the law. Matthew 5 is not saying the law has been superseded by a higher law. Rather, Matthew 5 is pointing out the foundational purpose of the law in the first place. The law is built on loving our neighbor. You do not kill because killing is failing to love your brother. You don't commit adultery because adultery is failing to love your brother. The Pharisees were failing to see this underlying spirit of the law. This is one of the truly sad consequences of the modern church's separation from God's law. They also fail to see the spirit of the law. They fail to learn the lessons that Christ means to draw us to him. Jesus said in Matthew 5:46, "For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for He wrote of me, but if ye believe not His writings, how shall ye believe my words? The modern church doesn't believe Moses. This prevents them from truly connecting with Christ, because the modern church fails to understand the foundational purpose of God's law, because they reject the law God gave through Moses that was designed to bring them to Christ. The modern church ends up lost, just like the Pharisees. They fail to learn the lessons the law is supposed to teach us, just like the Pharisees. They fail to learn what love truly is. Modern Christianity fails to convert the souls of its followers. Let me give you a couple of examples of how modern Christians miss the lessons that God tries to teach. Leviticus 19 verse 17 reads, Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor, and not suffer sin upon him. Herein is a lesson God's law teaches us. If you're willing to accept what Jesus says about the law, if you're willing to accept the fact that God's law expresses what is love toward your neighbor, then we learn that rebuking sin is actually the loving thing to do. It's not done to hate, for the law says we are not to harbor hate toward our brother. Rebuking sin is actually an act of love. Now, our culture doesn't believe this. Our culture thinks of love as almost synonymous with acceptance. If you love someone in our culture, you treat him with acceptance. You accept him as he is. You don't try to change him. The last thing you do is judge him. That is the view many modern Christians seem to subscribe to. For example, many modern Christians believe we should treat homosexuals with tolerance and acceptance. Many churches welcome them into the congregation. They leave change up to them. Modern churches don't rebuke them, as Leviticus 19 commands. They think sinners should be won over through a welcoming attitude. The last thing they should be exposed to is rebuke of any kind. There is a similar attitude commonly toward things like promiscuity, or mothers who abort their babies, or adultery. Whatever sin you want to mention, the modern church thinks Christians should show our love through acceptance and tolerance rather than rebuke. They like to say that the church is a place where sinners should feel welcomed, not judged. Yet, Leviticus 19.17 teaches us the loving thing to do is to rebuke your neighbor's sin. To simply accept Someone involved in sin and stay mute about their sin is actually not love. It's neglect. It's selfish disregard. If you truly love your neighbor, you will point out their sin, always the with love. But if you care about your neighbor, if you want them to have eternal life, if you want them to be spared the harm that sin causes, you have to point out the sin. That's how you help them out in their sin. According to God's law, rebuking sin is love towards your neighbor. On the other hand, just accepting people in sin, as modern Christians like to do, as Leviticus puts it, is suffering sin upon them. They are allowing sin to work its harm. Modern Christians miss that lesson because they reject the law. They don't understand the purpose of the law. They don't look to the law to learn what love is. So they're left with a human understanding of love. And human understanding is often flawed. Gender roles are another one. The gender roles expressed in God's law teach us what love actually is. They teach us how a husband and wife show love to each other. A husband governing his home. A husband who takes leadership over his home is actually showing love toward his wife. That is what the law teaches. The modern partnership model of marriage is not love. It isn't love to treat marriage as a democracy, where every decision is done by consensus. That's where man's reasoning goes. That's what our culture has come to believe a loving marriage is. But God's law teaches us our culture's ideal of marriage is actually neglect on the man's part. The modern version of marriage is a study in neglect of responsibilities, both by the husband and the wife. A loving husband takes authority in his home. A husband who fails to take authority in his home is not loving, he's actually failing to love his wife. The modern world continually fails to learn lessons of God's love, lessons that are throughout the law. Even in things like sacrificial laws, there are lessons of love, kinsman redemption, substitutionary sacrifice, the debt sin creates. All these lessons behind Christ's sacrifice are contained in the laws of sacrifice. The modern church fails to understand the basic purpose of so many aspects of God's law. This brings me to the subject of repentance. In order to repent, we have to recognize and acknowledge our own sin. We cannot repent if we don't recognize our own sin. And in order to recognize our own sin, we need to understand the lessons of the law. As Paul says in Romans 7:7, I had not known sin, but by the law. Let the law teach you. Let the law convict you. Let the law convert you. You will not understand sin without the law. You will not see your own sin without the law. That's why our nation is lost. That's why our nation is not going to repent. It's not going to repent because it doesn't understand that it's sinning in the first place. It doesn't understand what sin is actually is. This nation does not look to God's law to define sin, and the result is that it doesn't believe it's sinning. That means judgment is in store. It's coming. There will be no avoiding it. We are not going to save this nation because this nation will not repent. It doesn't even think it needs to. But we can save our families, We can save ourselves. We can repent of our sins and see the loving care and deliverance of God. That's the only path forward. We have to draw closer to God. What does that require? It demands that we look to the law to learn what sin is. And most importantly, it requires we look to the law to learn what sins we ourselves are involved in. You know, it's easy to fall into the trap of self-righteousness. Most of modern Christianity has. Even some of the elect have. It's easy to look at the sins that plague modern society, abortion, interracial marriage, homosexuality, and transgenderism, and it's easy to say, well, I'm not involved in any of those. I'm not in an interracial marriage. I'm not involved in abortion or homosexuality. Thus, it's easy for us to think of ourselves as righteous. Because that is where human nature tends to go. That's where our minds like to take us. We like to think of ourselves as basically good. Oh sure, we we might give lip service to the idea that we're all sinners, but when we say that, are we actually thinking of the gravity of our own sins? Often, we're not. When you understand the law, when you understand the purpose of the law, when you study the spirit of the law, you begin to realize there's a lot more sin in our lives than appears on the surface. This is the real reason so many people think of God's law as having so many rules. They instinctively feel how all-encompassing God's law is. There aren't very many rules, but God's law touches your entire life. There aren't very many rules, but love your neighbor impacts every single relationship you have. There aren't very many rules in God's law. Essentially, there are only two. But those two touch every single corner of your life. There are many things that otherwise would be fine, but take on the taint of sin solely because they are done with disregard for others. Take, for example, a wife working outside the home. Proverbs 31 talks about a virtuous woman buying a field and planting a vineyard, It talks about her making clothes and selling them to merchants. It's not wrong for a wife to work outside the home. But when a wife decides to pursue a career in today's world, often her decision is not driven by love for her husband or love for her children. Feminism pushes women to pursue a career out of self-fulfillment, not love for others. When a decision is driven by self-interest, When it shows a disregard for others and neglect for others, it is sin. How many men resent women today? Maybe there was a divorce or breakup. Maybe they've had bad relationships and it led to bitterness and resentment. Do we realize that this is sin? The war between the sexes, the resentment and hostility between the sexes, these are sin. We're to love each other Bitterness and resentment do not add up to love. This is sin. How often do we do things without love toward others? How often do we talk to people? How often do we interact with people? How often do we simply think of other people with something other than love toward them? The fact is simple. Too often we hold grudges. Too often we are talebearers. Too often, we harbor something less than love toward our brother. We are not to act with just concern for ourselves, but love for others. It is sin to act out of selfishness. It is sin to act out of bitterness. It is sin to act out of resentment. It is so easy to focus on our own good, on protecting our rights. That's our culture. But God's law reminds us of our responsibilities to others instead of our rights. How many people think of attending church as a responsibility rather than a right? People in our culture love to protect their right to attend the church of their choice. But God's law reminds us of our responsibility towards others. Keeping the feasts and the Sabbath is part of that law. It's an act of love towards others. Attending church is an act of love towards God. It's an act of love toward the body of Christ. The lesson of the law is clear. Think of others before yourselves. Think of your responsibilities rather than your rights. Love God. Love your neighbor. Can we honestly say that every word, every action, everything we do is out of love for the people around us? And I don't mean just your friends, but your enemies too. Jesus says we are to even love our enemies. That's in Matthew 5 as well. Can any of us say that? No, none of us can say that. I can't say that. None of us can say we operate in perfect love towards others, in perfect love toward everyone with whom we come in contact. And that is sin. The fact is, we're all sinners. I point this out because we face tough times ahead. I point this out because, as Jesus urged us, it is time to repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We need to focus on repentance. We need to draw as close as we can to our Father in Heaven. Because judgment is at hand. The only salvation rests in getting right with God. That is the only path forward. His providence is the only salvation available. We need to focus on this book, on this law, because it offers the only way to the judgment to come.